Hey there, future friends. This week, Lacoste can talk, books can help us find love, and friends don't let friends get put away for murder. This is the week of October 7th, 2022, and you are listening to Future Flicks with Billiam. everybody welcome to the show it is that time a new episode is upon us and we have another good looking week for movies it's another huge week as well because i think that a lot of these movies just didn't want to release during the summer it could be that some of them were not ready 100 could have been but i also think that they wanted to make sure blockbuster season was over and then we have this little lull little lull between summer and then the winter season Maybe that's called fall. Who knows? Or autumn, if you're fancy. Well, let's jump right into the show with the limited release movies. If you are new on this show, what I do is I go over every movie coming out during the week. I do my best to find out about each and every film, and then I look into it. I tell you what the movie is, what it's about, who's in it. And for the limited releases, that's really it, because I've watched the trailer I read the synopsis and looked who's in it, and it doesn't really speak to me. Doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a bad movie, but not worth your time. So let's start this episode with a movie we've talked about last week called Masking Threshold. This is getting a slightly wider release this week, but still very limited. Conducting a series of experiments in his makeshift home lab, a skeptic IT worker tries to cure his harrowing hearing impairment. But where will his research lead him? Masking Threshold combines a chamber play, a scientific procedural, an unpacking video, and a DIY YouTube channel while suggesting endless vistas of existential pain and decay. Glimpse the world of the nameless protagonist in this eldritch tale, which is by no means for the faint of heart. Yeah, what the f*** is that even about, right? This is my second time reading this premise on the show, and I still have no idea what they're trying to say. This stars no one of note, like I said, and uh, skip it 100%. Next up, we have a movie called De-Influencer. Comes out on video on demand on the 1st of October. A cheerleader is imprisoned and made to jump through social media challenges for a seemingly motivated kidnapper. But does he want more than he is telling her? This stars no one of note, and uh, no. No, no, no. No, 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 no. After that, we have a movie called All the Beauty and the Bloodshed. This is a documentary that follows the life of artist Non Golden and the downfall of the Sackler family, the pharmaceutical dynasty, who was greatly responsible for the opioid epidemic's unfathomable death toll. This could be good. Uh, I would, wouldn't know because I couldn't find a trailer. I swear to God, if there's one out now, I'm going to be so angry. But you know what? There wasn't one when I wrote the notes for this show, so I don't care. I'm not even going to look. After that, we have a movie called Two Leslie. Inspired by true events, a West Texas single mother wins the lottery and squanders it just as fast, leaving behind a whirl of heartbreak, 
Years later, with her charm running out and nowhere to go, she fights to rebuild her life and find redemption. This stars Andrea Riceboro from Birdman, Allison Janney from The Help, Stephen Root from Dodgeball, and Mark Marin from Glow. So I do really like this cast. I-, I think they are all very good. I would like to see them in something, but this isn't the movie. Maybe it is for you. I don't know, but I'm just sick and tired of these movies about these down and out people who either by 100% their fault or no no fault of their own, are just in dire straits and they need to get their life back on track. I say that, but every time a superhero movie comes out, I'll jump and see it. But I guess those are more of an escape. Those are fun for me. While movies like this just remind me what a shit show we're in in this country. Even if winning the lottery and then wasting it all is 100% her fault. But still. After that, we have an expansion of a movie that came out last week. So I'm going to be talking about this for the next three weeks, apparently. This is all quiet on the Western front, and this will continue to be in the limited section until its Netflix release. A young German soldier's terrifying experience and distress on the Western front during World War I. This stars Daniel Brühl from Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And it does look fantastic. So if you watch a trailer and want to see this, a really good-looking World War I movie, because we don't see a lot of those. 1917, I think, was the last one. Check this out. It's having a slight expansion this week. Last week, it was just New York. Next week, bigger expansion. Netflix release on the 28th. So I will talk about this again next week. Next up, we have a movie called Pretty Problems. Jack and Lindsay are invited to a getaway trip with affluent strangers. Down the rabbit hole and into the most unhinged weekend of their lives, can their relationship survive? And this happens to me quite a bit. If you've listened to the show for a while, you'll know where a movie comes out and something about it is very familiar. Like, I think it's trope worthy, but for the life of me, I can't think up of any of the the movies in that trope. I can actually think of one for this one. It was that recent one with Lil Rel Howery and John Cena. It was called Vacation Friends, that's right. So it's this movie that you can probably think of way more than me, because even though I'm like the movie guy, or one of the movie guys, I just, my memory is so bad that I need to do research before I do a show. But anyway, these movies where we have a couple who seems to be doing well, and then this other couple comes in and like invites them to a party or just crashes something and hangs out, but it threatens them. There are comedies, there are horrors, there are thrillers, there are all kinds of these movies out there. And this is just the newest one, and nothing tells me it's going to be anything special. After that, we have a movie called Possession. A priest has been tasked with deciding the location of a new church for the local mining company, which reveals itself to be on top of an old Sammy burial ground. After removing the remains, the dead come alive and haunt the settlers. This is a movie from Norway and could be interesting. It's worth keeping an eye out for later, but just not right now. After that, we have a film called Bromates, not to be confused with Bros, which came out last week. Bromates is about two best friends who break up with their girlfriends at the same time, subsequently deciding to move in with each other. This stars Josh Brenner from The Internship, Lil Rel Howery, who we were just talking about from Get Out, Asif Ali from WandaVision, Flula Borg from The Suicide Squad, and, of course, Pitch Perfect 2. Marla Gibbs from The Jeffersons. Yeah, the TV show The Jeffersons. And Rob Riggle from 21 Jump Street. This one could have been good. It had the promise of being a fun-looking comedy, but I just couldn't. I just... 
I, I love Lil Rel Howery, but his character in this just seems like a piece of shit. But one of those pieces of shit where I'm also charming and funny, so you should like me. But it's like, no, I'm, I'm not going to like you because you're a piece of crap. That's not the only thing that made me put it in this section. It just also looked a little too basic and it didn't really stand out. Next up, we have a movie called Project Wolf Hunting. This follows dangerous criminals on a cargo ship who are transported to the Philippines or from the Philippines to South Korea as they unleash a sinister force after an escape attempt leads to a riot. This is a movie from South Korea and once again, could be interesting, but it just looked a little too cheesy and not worth it. After that, we have a movie called Project Legion. A young man trapped in his apartment with a swarm of demons outside his door must find a way to survive the night and escape from apartment 213. Why 213? Uh, I, I don't know. I actually thought it may be a low-key Stephen King reference, but the, the room from The Shining was room 237, so I, I don't know what, where 213 comes from. Next up, we have a movie called The Visitor. After a series of tragedies, Robert moves with his wife back to her childhood home. After he discovers an old portrait of a man who looks like him, he goes down a rabbit hole to discover the identity of this mysterious doppelganger. This stars Finn Jones from Iron Fist and Jessica McNamee from The Meg. So here's the thing with this one. Uh, again, interesting premise. Could have been good. Could be a good sleeper horror. But the trailer sold me, instead of a horror, sold me on a thriller that I don't think I care about. If the trailer sold it more as a horror and showed me that it was going to at least try to be a little scary, maybe, but as a thriller, this looks boring. So my future friends, one more movie in the limited release section. Then I'm going to talk about something on streaming. So that's Operation Seawolf. In the last days of World War II, Germany, desperate for any last grasp to defeat the Allied powers, formed together the German Navy and the last remaining U-boats for one last mission to attack the United States homeland. This stars Frank Grillo from The Purge Anarchy and Dolph Lundgren from Rocky IV. Yes, the guy from The Purge Anarchy and Dolph Lundgren in a World War II U-boat movie. Look, I just want to take this opportunity to remind you that on this show, even if I put it in the limited section, and if you watch it and you like it, let me know. I am always ready to hear from a listener, and if you think I'm wrong on something and you watched it and you liked it, tell me. I am, I am more than here for it. Just tell me. But for now, that's it for the limited release section. Let me tell you that my wife and I watched Hocus Pocus 2, and it was really fun. It was really good. It, it was as good as it could have been, because remember, Hocus Pocus is a cheesy family movie. It is a cheesy family Halloween movie, and it was never great. Does that bet? Does it have a fantastic cast? Bette Midler, Kathy Nejimy, and Sarah Jessica Parker. One hundred percent, yes. Is Bette Midler a national treasure? You bet your ass she is. It was never a great movie. It is wonderful for a lot of fun. It is wonderful for the nostalgia. It's wonderful for a lot of reasons. And it may actually be a quality movie as far as a family-friendly film goes, but you should only expect so much with a sequel. And I think that, I was going to say Nintendo, <laughs> I think that Disney did the best they possibly could have. As we know from the trailers and the premise, the original, none of the originals returned besides the Sanderson sisters and Billy. I didn't miss the others. I did not miss the others at all. 
We also tried to watch The Munsters, which I completely missed. Because I tell you guys, I'm not perfect. Sometimes the websites I use for the movies coming out miss something. And none of the websites at the time of making the show notes, none of the websites had The Munsters directed by Rob Zombie coming out. So we tried to watch it and we got like 10 minutes in and I turned it off. And that's when my wife said, oh, thank you, because she wasn't going to say anything because she's really nice. We'll we'll watch a movie and she'll save a good portion of her criticism for the end. Like we watched The Lighthouse. We both didn't like it. And it was only after really that she let me know. And I was agreeing with all that. I thought it, I, I thought The Lighthouse was really overrated as a super artsy film. Yeah, sure, but not worth it. The Monsters was bad. I told her later this month, I want to try to fast forward to the middle, try to watch him from, from there, seeing maybe, hey, maybe the first 10 minutes, maybe the first 20 minutes were just really slow. Maybe it picks up because you don't even see Herman Munster in the first part. You only see uh, Grandpa Munster or, you know, the dad and you see uh, who's going to be Herman's wife. It could also be that I just hate Rob Zombie as a director. I know that puts me in a special group. Like Rob Zombie is a very divisive. Is that the right word? Yeah. Divisive director. Cause I'm in a book club. One member of our book club loves Rob Zombie. Thinks he is amazing when it comes to directing. Thinks he's God, God's gift to directors. She loves all of his movies. And I have seen quite a few of his movies. Not all, but I think that he is hot garbage. So if you like Rob Zombie, Check out The Monsters on Hulu. If you loved The Monsters, uh, old TV show, uh, watch at your own risk. Really, it's it didn't capture the spirit of the show, in my opinion. Well, my future friends, as it for the first half of the show, let us jump into our first and only break as we hear a word from the friends of the show, and we'll be right back with the wide releases and interesting indies. Stay tuned. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is a flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're We're Doing Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. Popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're We're doing doing fine. My future friends, we're back with the wide releases and interesting indies. And let's start with the first of a few limited movies in this section called Triangle of Sadness. A cruise ship for the super rich sinks, thus leaving survivors, including a fashion model celebrity couple, trapped on an island. This stars Woody Harrelson from Natural Born Killers, Harris Dickinson from The King's Man, and Iris Bourbon from Eddie the Eagle. So where bros, or no, what was this one called? Bromates from this week looked just a little too corny for me. This one looked the right amount of corny. We have a movie that's a tongue-in-cheek criticism of the super wealthy because these super rich people 
are on a cruise and we have the people working on the cruise having to tiptoe around them and basically do whatever they say because they're rich and can like buy and sell you. And then something happens that puts everyone in equal footing. They crash and some of them make it to an island and are trapped. And I'm here for this. I am. I am here to watch the rich get eaten on a desert island. Eat the rich. That is right. And I'm just here for Woody Harrelson. I fucking love Woody Harrelson. Who doesn't? Raise your hand and uh, you're wrong. You're just wrong. Woody Harrelson's great. Triangle of Sadness looks funny, but also very skippable. So it gets a five out of 11. Oh yeah, I forgot to tell you what we do in this segment of the show. In the wide releases and interesting indies, I talk about all of the movies that are coming out nationwide or to a major streaming service, as well as the independent or limited release movies that did catch my attention. In this section, I tell you what the movie is, what it's about, and who's in it, but I also definitely give my thoughts on it, and then I give a score, which I call the Billiam's Interest Level Score, aka the Bill Score, which goes anywhere from a zero for those awful films to an 11 for those films that just make me so excited to be a movie lover. All right, next up, my friends, we have a movie called Monster High, the movie. This comes out on Paramount Plus on the 6th. It's a little before the weekend. This follows a half-human and half-werewolf as she finally finds a place where she fits. But when a devious plan to destroy Monster High threatens to reveal her identity, she must learn to embrace her true monster heart and save the day. This stars no one of note. And yes, if you have kids or you have ever paid attention to the toy aisle of a store, you will know Monster High, a, a very popular the series or set of, uh, of dolls. And forgive me if I'm wrong here, but pretty inclusive too, because one of the characters, uh, the Frankenstein character is a non-binary, uses they, them pronouns. And that's the kind of stuff I like to see. It's it just, it's just a thing. Here's a character. Here's the, here's their pronouns. Okay, there we go. Move on. Let's make this normal. Let's make this part of our lives. Let's make this, let's make this every day. But anyway, it doesn't look bad. I would definitely skip this movie for me. But if you have a kid who likes the Monster High stuff, it may be worth a family movie night because I have seen worse. I laughed a couple times in the trailer and I have the feeling that if I had a kid who wanted to watch this with me, I don't think I would have a terrible time. Would I be a little bored and be tempted to go on my phone a bit? Yeah, of course. But as far as things to watch with your kids and have a moment with your kids, there's so much worse. Monster High, the movie, gets a 4 out of 11. Next up, we have another Paramount Plus movie, this one coming out on Friday. It's called Significant Other, and it follows a young couple who take a remote backpacking trip through the Pacific Northwest and face sinister events, leading to them realizing that everything about the place is not as it seems. This stars Micah Monroe from It Follows and Jake Lacey from Rampage. This is a movie that if it wasn't coming to a streaming service, I would have put it in the limited section. It doesn't look that interesting to me. It's a familiar idea where we have someone she's found on uh, on this mountain. She's found on a trail and she doesn't have any memory about what happened. She's trying to remember. And we see flashbacks of her and her boyfriend and something f***ed up happened. And the thing is, who is it? Was he the one who turned and she uh, got rescued or she saved herself somehow? Or did she do it and this couple that found her are in trouble? 
It could be interesting, but the trailer didn't make me care. Significant Other gets a 4 out of 11. After that, we have a film called The Lost King. This is a limited release movie from the UK. An amateur historian defies the stodgy academic establishment in her efforts to find King Richard III's remains, which were lost for over 500 years. This stars Sally Hawkins from The Shape of Water and Steve Coogan from Alan Partridge. Yes, we have another one of these random-ass British movies that I'm very excited for. Uh, Phantom of the Open, I still haven't seen, but I really like the look of that. Uh, the one with Jim Broadbent, where he's the guy who stole the painting from the, the museum because he wanted to protest uh, low wages or something. That one looked good. This one I put right in there with those films. It looks it looks good, but I do have one question. How the fuck do you lose a king? Oh, we have no idea where the king's remains are. Like, really? You buried a king and f***ing lost him? You know, I thought we put him over there by the tree, but now that I think of it, it could have been by the bridge. Who knows? Fuck all, I spilt some tea on this paper and I can't read my writing. That's probably what happened, right? Tea spilling on a paper, like, oh, fuck, I, I can't find this now. I started to go a little Australian near the end there, didn't I? Anyway. So yes, it's based on the true story of this woman who found King Richard III's remains. I would say spoiler warning, but this was in the news. So, and it's not really about if she did or not, it's more about her journey. So there we go. It's not about the end of the road. It's about the journey to get there. Aww. The Lost King gets a 7 out of 11. Next up, there's a movie called Tar, T-A-R, yes, Tar, another limited release. Set in the international world of classical music, this film centers on Lydia Tar, widely considered one of the greatest living composer-conductors and the first ever female chief conductor of a major German orchestra. This stars Kate Blanchett from Elizabeth and Noemi Merlant from Portrait of a Lady on Fire. This movie would have been 100% skipped and not even on my radar if it wasn't for the fact that Kate Blanchett stars in this and, as always, looks fantastic. Kate Blanchett, an amazing actress. Even when she's in a movie that's bad, she is still good. She was in The Dead Don't Die, the Jim Jarmusch movie with Adam Driver, Bill Murray, and Chloe Sevigny. She was also in it. She did a really good job. In fact, the actors did a fine job. It was just a bad movie. So with her in this, I know I'm going to get a first-class performance. And with a plot like this, she is front and center. She is the main character. It's all about her. It is all about her being a world-class composer, conductor, and everything that means. And I, like I said, am here for it. The trailer doesn't really give me much to go on as far as talking points beyond the fact that Kate Blanchett is probably one of the best actors of our time. So I'll keep this one short and just say Tar gets a 6.5 out of 11. Next up, my friends, we have a Netflix documentary called The Redeem Team. This follows the story of the 2008 U.S. Olympic men's basketball team and how the Redeem Team set a new standard for American basketball. This is a documentary, and if you were a fan of that Michael Jordan Chicago Bulls documentary, which a lot of people were. I still haven't seen it. I kind of want to. But if you were a fan of that, this is more of that. Except this is about the Olympic team. Because if anyone remembers back in the day, 
we only sent non-professionals in things like basketball and stuff to the Olympics. So you wouldn't see any NBA stars in the Olympics. But then we started doing that and we started seeing these big names in the Olympics. But then apparently, and I don't really follow the Olympics that much, so I miss this entirely. But apparently one year we sent the best we had, the best of the best, and we got stomped. And apparently it was an embarrassment. We had all of these people. And guess what? When you have all of these star players who are star players on their own teams, maybe they don't know how to work together. So in 2008 or for the 2008 Olympics, they were like, hey, we can't get embarrassed like that again. We need to remember that we're not all hot shots. We're we're a team and we need to work together. So this is that story. This looks good, but mainly if you're interested in stories about basketball. So for me personally, you know what? It still gets a high score. It still gets a 7 out of 11. Next up, my friends, we have a movie that's coming out on the 7th, another Netflix film. I talked about this last week called The Luckiest Girl Alive. A woman in New York who seems to have things under control is faced with a trauma that makes her life unravel. This stars Mila Kunis from that 70s show. Kiara Aurelia from Cruel Summer, Connie Britton from Nashville, Jennifer Beals from Flashdance, Justin Lupe from Succession, and Finn Whitrock from American Horror Story. So we have what looks like a basic thriller starring Mila Kunis that is on Netflix. And like I always say, it's a service a lot of people have, even though more and more people are dropping it. You probably still have a way to watch something on Netflix, go to a friend's house, borrow their login for a bit. You still have a way. And if you think this sounds interesting, then check this out. For me, this looks like the kind of movie that if I had to watch it, I think I would be okay. I think I would enjoy it, but I don't think it'd be particularly memorable. But if I skip this movie, I don't think I'm going to miss anything. It looks okay. It does look like a quality film. It doesn't look like one of the bad Netflix films. It looks like a good representation of the new Netflix standard. And I think that's just fine. The only thing that kind of bothers me is that this type of thriller is it's actually done a lot where we have the the whole mystery, the whole thing we don't know is just based on the fact that the main character doesn't give us all the information. So what's the secret from her past? She knows, she fully knows what the secret is, but it's probably going to come out at the very end in the fourth or third act. Sorry, we're doing three acts in plays. In the near the end of the third act, it's going to be, oh my God, who saw that coming? But it's that's artificial, right? Shouldn't we expect better? Or maybe I'm just being a picky asshole. I don't know. But either way, for me, this looks skippable. And I'm just going to say it gets a 5.5 out of 11. My wife just informed me that apparently this is based on a book by an author named Jessica Knoll. So, hey, if you do think this sounds interesting, check it out. We have five movies left, my friends. So let's talk about the next one, which is called The Hellraiser. This is a take on Clive Barker's 1987 horror classic where a young woman struggling with addiction comes into possession of an ancient puzzle box, unaware that its true purpose is to summon the Cenobites. This stars Jamie Clayton from Sense8, Goran Vizjic from ER, sorry for mispronouncing your name terribly, Brandon Flynn from 13 Reasons Why, and Drew Starkey from Outer Banks. So it's been a while since I've seen Hellraiser or read the Hellraiser book, but I don't think that's what the original was about. So I'm thinking it is a take on it in the sense that it's just about someone and they accidentally summon the Cenobites. 
Either way, this doesn't look bad. It, it doesn't look great, but it looks like a better reboot, remake, reimagining, whatever, than like the last Texas Chainsaw or Rob Zombie's Halloween's or the Nightmare on Elm Street remake, stuff like that. It looks better than those, but it's not hard to be better than those. They were kind of crap. This is really just for fans of Hellraiser or people who have never watched it but want to get into it because they've heard of Pinhead as one of the like main horror villains. You know, Michael, Jason, Freddy, Chucky, Pinhead, Leatherface, Mr. Vernon from The Breakfast Club. You know, bad guys like that. Compared to their other horror reboot they did, or sequel technically, prequel I guess actually, pre prequel, Prey. I thought Prey was really good, and this one looks like it's going to be between Prey and the other ones I mentioned, and they make Pinhead a, uh, Pinhead is actually played by a woman in this. I don't know if the Cenobites have gender canonically, but it would just be hilarious to see one of those a-holes out there going, my mermaids aren't black and my Pinheads are men. You know, someone complaining about stupid shit that doesn't matter. The actress who plays her, it, she looks fine. It, it looks like she does a good job. But of course, to play Pinhead, you just go through hours of makeup and then talk in a funny voice and not show a lot of emotion. And you got Pinhead. So this might be worth checking out, especially since it's Halloween. And I love that this is coming out during Halloween. I don't mind that Hulu didn't release Prey during Halloween because Predator hasn't always been a scary movie for me, more of an action movie. So I didn't mind that. This one, I think, is released at the right time. So let's say Hellraiser gets a seven out of 11. Next up, my friends, we have the first of two nationwide releases, and this one is called Lyle Lyle Crocodile. This is a feature film based on the children's book about a crocodile that lives in New York City. Oh, that's a shitty premise. So basically, it's about this kid and his family moving to this new house. I think it's a new house or something new to them. And in the attic, he finds this what he thinks is a stuffed crocodile in a box and says, oh, this is Lyle. Please take good care of him. And then he finds out the crocodile is actually alive and he can't talk, but he can sing. Why? Because it's a fucking kid's book. That's why. So there we go. That's that's a better synopsis. So this stars Javier Bardem from Skyfall, Constance Wu from Crazy Rich Asians, Scoot McNary from Narcos Mexico, Winslow Fegley from 8-Bit Christmas, Brett Gelman from Stranger Things, and featuring the voice of Sean Mendez as Lyle Lyle Crocodile. So if you're a millennial and you have no, or maybe you're a boomer, maybe some boomers listen to me. So if you're a boomer or a millennial or a Gen X or something like that, and you don't know who Sean Mendez is, if you heard that song, Nothing Holding Me Back or There's Nothing Holding Me Back, it's him. Uh, he also has songs called Senorita, Mercy, It'll Be Okay, Treat You Better. Oh, I think I know that one. Apparently, he dated Camila Cabello for a while. I mean, it looks fine. I, I think he's an attractive young man. He looks like he'd be uh, playing a high schooler in a CW show. Oh, that dates me. It's not CW anymore. Is it? Is it still a CW? Thanks. My wife answered for me. Yes, yes, it is. But he looks like a high schooler in the CW. How old is he really? He's 24. Oh, that's a perfect age for a CW high schooler. But anyway, this is a kid's movie or a family film because it looks like it looks like one of those rare films that come out that is actually good for all ages. That I would have no trouble taking a little kid to this because they get to watch a singing crocodile. And that's fun, you know? Singing crocodiles? Fuck yeah. 
There's actually a good cast in this. Javier Bardem, Constance Wu. That's all we need right there. Scoot McNary. F***ing fantastic name, Scoot. Good job. And Winslow Fegley is the brother of Oaks Fegley, who has been in movies like Pete's Dragon, the 2016 version, Wonderstruck, The Goldfinch, The War with Grandpa, things like that. But I'm getting off topic. What I'm trying to say is that this this is fun. I mean, if you have young kids and you get stuck seeing this on the weekend, I, I don't think it'll be bad at all. I think it'd be entertaining. It won't be great. Probably won't be particularly memorable. Maybe you'll have your kids singing some, uh, what's that guy's name again? Sean Mendez all week and might annoy you. But hey, it could be worse. It could be worse. It could be Baby Shark. Is that still a thing? I don't know. I'm old. But Lyle Lyle Crocodile looks like a good time. It does. Would I see this on my own? Maybe at home. Maybe if it comes to streaming somewhere, I'll check it out if I'm feeling down or it's a rainy day and we're doing a movie day. I, I don't know. But there, I don't want to say I would never purposefully watch this. But the fact that I don't currently have any young children means that I won't be lining up to see this one. Lyle Lyle Crocodile looks fun, but skippable. Lyle Lyle Crocodile gets a 7 out of 11. Next up, my friends, is another Netflix film, the final Netflix film of the week, and it is actually coming out on the 5th, so by the time you hear this episode, it's already out. It's called Mr. Harrigan's Phone. When Mr. Harrigan dies, the teen who befriended and did odd jobs for him puts his smartphone in his pocket before burial, and when the lonely youth leaves his dead friend a message, he is shocked to get a return text. This stars Jaden Martell from Knives Out, Donald Sutherland from Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Kirby Howell-Baptiste from Barry, and Cyrus Arnold from Zoolander 2. So this is based on a short story by Stephen King from his latest short story collection called If It Bleeds. And I like it. I like how he is starting to use modern technology in his stories. And not just his character has a cell phone, but it's actually involved somehow. Cell may have been a little on the nose, but I still liked it. And he had this other short, super short story called Ur, about a Kindle that was sent to this guy from the Dark Tower. It was silly, but fun. But this one's pretty cool because we have this kid and... He's kind of a loser, gets picked on a lot, and he befriends this old man, and fortunately, not in a creepy way, so yay for that. And he does odd jobs for the man, like the premise said, and he gets him a cell phone, his first ever cell phone, and helps him into the modern world, but then the guy dies, and he keeps getting picked on, so he texts the guy, the old man, and says, I wish you were here, I keep getting picked on, and what happens? Someone kills or attacks the bully, I don't know which one it is. But then the people who are who hurt this kid start to get hurt themselves. And it, it, it all happens to be tied to he texts the dead guy about it. So as we know, movies based on Stephen King's work are very hit or miss. We have movies that are true classics like Stand By Me, The Shining, even though it really doesn't stick to Stephen King's work, The Shawshank Redemption, Misery, Cujo, recent ones I thought were pretty good, like In the Tall Grass. And then we have ones like Dreamcatcher, which I thought was awful. Firestarter, the 2022 Firestarter, which was really boring. I still haven't seen the Dark Tower movie, but a lot of people were disappointed. The movie behind Cell was awful, truly abysmal. But fortunately, this looks like one of the good ones. But on the other hand, I've gone into all of his movies hoping they'd be good. So what 
has me a little more interested in this one is the A, the cast. B, it looks like it was done really well. And then also we have it on Netflix. So if I really hate it, I could just turn it off and watch something else. I didn't waste any money, didn't waste any gas, no money on snacks. Maybe I ate some snacks during it. I don't know. But then I could just watch something else. That is one of the big upsides of these streaming services, even though we can complain about them saying they're becoming more and more like cable, where they're just raising the prices and not giving us any more for it. But for now, I think we're in a good place, and I think Mr. Harrigan's phone is a good movie for this season. This is Jaden Martell's third Stephen King movie, the first two It's being his first ones, of course. And I don't think Donald Sutherland has been in one yet, but he is always good. And I think this one is well worth your time. It's kind of a familiar premise where we have people who are somehow linked to, to a person just start dying. But that person isn't the one that's killing them. So they kind of want to find out what's going on, even though he pretty much knows what's going on. What I am really excited for is to see other Easter eggs because Stephen King always does something. Nothing he does is fully out of his universe. Everything is connected. Like I said or I think I mentioned this earlier uh, this year, I read Billy Summers, his one of his newer books, and it is has it has a very slight connection to The Shining, but there's always something. So I'm excited to see how Mr. Harrigan's phone is connected to the grave, greater Stephen King universe. Mr. Harrigan's phone looks like a good time, and it's going to get an 8 out of 11. All right, my friends, two movies left. And the final movie that's not the pick of the week is another book-to-movie adaptation. It's called The Storied Life of A.J. Fickrey. This is getting a limited theatrical release. Based on the New York Times' best-selling novel, bookstore owner A.J. Fickrey's life is not turning out as he expected as he struggles both emotionally and financially. After his wife's tragic death, he feels lost and left behind in the rapidly evolving world of today. As he tries to keep his store afloat, he begins to drink his sorrows away, ultimately hitting rock bottom when his most prized possession, a series of Edgar Allan Poe poems, are stolen. But when a mysterious package appears at the bookstore, the unexpected arrival of Fickery, the unexpected arrival gives Fickery a new lease on life and love that are greater than he ever imagined. This stars Kunal Nayar from The Big Bang Theory, Lucy Hale from Pretty Little Liars, Christina Hendricks from Mad Men, David Arquette from Scream, and Scott Foley from Scream 3. So this is based on a book by Gabrielle Zevin, and it's basically about this dude, like the premise said, who's hit rock bottom, and something brings him out of it. In this case, it's the help of a beautiful young woman played by Lucy Hale, but not just her beauty, it's also the fact that she reminds him that there is stuff out there in life that just talking to someone can be fun. And what I liked from the look of the trailer, and I could be wrong because this is basing my assumptions on the trailer, but what I liked was that it didn't look like it was insta-love, like they see each other and go, oh, f that guy is really hot, I should go after him, and vice versa. No, they kind of grew to like each other. And movies like this kind of have that story, right, of, of it never being too late for a fresh start. What impresses me is that I couldn't even tell that A.J. Frickery was played by, I can't remember any of the nerds' names from Big Bang Theory, but one of those nerds, and that his voice isn't even like that. He has this like deep, rich voice where I want him to read me a bedtime story instead of, well, what you saw on Big Bang. But unlike his previous gig, this looks good. I, I think this looks like a 
well worth your time movie. It looks like a sweet story, not a sickeningly sweet romance. It does have that in it, but it's a a slice of life story of someone who just needs someone. That when things get bad, maybe you just need someone to someone to help you, and that's okay. No offensive nerd stereotypes in this. We just have Kunal Nayar doing a really good job of portraying a guy who just looks over it. And as the trailer progresses and shows us snippets of the way the movie's going to turn out, because this isn't one of those movies where it is a spoiler to find out that it turns out well, because it's about the journey. Just like we've already talked about, it's about the journey, yay, and how we get there. And you get to see his transformation from a middle-aged guy, or younger part of middle-aged, who seems like he's just one bad day away from becoming an old curmudgeon and smiling for the first time. And I think this movie looks really good. I am looking forward to reading the book now. And I like Lucy Hale too. She's not one of my favorites, but she she does a good job. She does. She She picks roles that are smart for her. And that is what actors and actresses need to do. They need to pick roles that they can do. And that's what she does. I think I kind of repeated myself there, but whatever, it's my show and I do what I want, damn it. So the storied life of AJ Fickery looks like a good time. Does it look like something you want to go to the theater to see? I don't know, maybe. Maybe you're not in the mood for the pick of the week. Maybe you're not in the mood for something scary. Maybe you just want to watch something that can make you smile. This could be it. But if not, the pick of the week is guaranteed to be, at the very least, interesting. So I'll end this by saying the storied life of AJ Fickery gets an 8.5 out of 11. All right, folks, time for the final movie of the week. And this one is my pick because of course it is. And that film is called Amsterdam. In the 1930s, three friends witness a murder, are framed for it, and uncover one of the most outrageous plots in American history. This stars, and let's see how many I can do on one breath, Christian Bale from American Psycho, Margot Robbie from I, Tanya, John David Washington from Tenant, Chris Rock from Head of State, Anya Taylor-Joy from The Queen's Gambit, Zoe Saldana from Star Trek, Mike Myers from Austin Powers, Michael Shannon from Knives Out, Timothy Oliphant from Santa Clarita Diet, Andrea Riceboro from Oblivion, Taylor Swift from Cats, Matthias Schoenarts from Red Sparrow, Rami Malek from Mr. Robot, and Robert De Niro from Raging Bull. I just barely did that. I was running out of breath. This is directed by David O. Russell, who is known for movies like American Hustle, Silver Linings Playbook, and The Fighter. That is a fantastic cast. That is... Truly amazing cast. The three main stars are Christian Bale, Margot Robbie, and John David Washington. And that's all I needed. You had me at that. Hell, these days you had me at John David Washington. But everyone else, it's just amazing. This is one of those movies with a super cast. And those are hit or miss. French Dispatch, which came out a couple years ago, I think by this point. Some people called it a flop, but it did make $46 million on a budget of $25 million, which isn't great, but hey, it made it into the positive. But that was just to say, movies like this aren't always a surefire win, but what they are, most of the time, is entertaining. And I tend to trust David O. Russell. I don't think his movies are outstanding, but they're also not bad. They're, they're worthwhile. They're worth my time, is what they are. And with a cast like this, and especially having no one cancel-worthy involved that we know of so far, I am down. I do plan on seeing this. I don't plan on seeing this fast enough to do a review on this show for it, but I do plan on seeing it within the next few weeks. 
right now, it is getting absolutely decimated by critics. If you go to Rotten Tomatoes, which you should never do because they're a garbage site, but if you look, the tomato meter gets a 30% based on 73 reviews. And I am so waiting for the audience score. Because remember, my friends, if you've never heard me say this, movie critics hate movies. They do. And that's why I don't like calling myself a critic, even though technically I am, because I love movies. And I can't admit when a movie is bad, but I love it anyway. But a lot of these people just want to sound fancy blowing their hot air because we have this one article here. Let me find it by Johnny, by Johnny Olekskinski or something from the New York Post says it's the worst movie of the year. It's not the worst movie of the year. You stupid son of a bitch. Did you watch Jeepers Creepers Reborn? And not even that is the worst movie of the year. Don't trust critics. If you do go to Rotten Tomatoes and you like relying on it, what you should do is wait for the audience score. Wait for actual human beings with a soul to see this movie. I think this looks like a good time. It looks like a good cast. It's a interesting plot. We have these three friends that meet, I'm assuming during World War One. I, I forgot if there's a time in this, 30s? Yeah, World War One. They meet during the First World War and they decide, hey, we're going to be there for each other for the rest of our lives. So then when they're framed for murder, they kind of have to, you know, stop it. Christian Bale, Margot Robbie, and J John David Washington look like they have really good chemistry. And with a movie like this, that's what's really important because we have three lead stars. They all seem equally in the spotlight, and especially when they're trying to play friends. So based on the trailers I've seen, based on everything I've heard, not from critics, this is a movie I want to see. And I can almost guarantee you that after the film fully comes out and we see real people reviews come out, we'll start to see the discrepancy. Who knows? Maybe it won't be a great discrepancy. Maybe it still gets like a 50 or 60%, which isn't great, but still. Real human beings know how to enjoy movies, and critics are garbage. Amsterdam gets a 10 out of 11. My future friends, that is it for this episode. Remember, reach out to me, say hey. If you see one of these movies, tell me your thoughts. If you agree or disagree with my rating, let me know. And especially if you ever see a movie that I put in the limited section that I kind of ignored and you think it's really good, let me know too. You can find all the ways to reach me in the show notes, and also I have a link tree in the show notes too. You know, actually, before we end the show, tell me what your pick of the week would have been. Out of all the movies I talked about, and if you want to look them up yourself just to watch a trailer, good idea. Out of all the movies we talked about, which movie would you have as the pick of the week? We don't do questions of the week anymore on this show, frankly for a lack of answers, but I would definitely like to know what movie this week you are most excited for. So... Please remember to check out the Friends of the Show, the Somewhat Nerdy Radio podcast, and we're doing fine with Robbie and Lisa. Be sure to follow me on all the different social medias. Once again, link tree in the show notes. And please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billiam from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future.